0: Hello and welcome to the Say What Is Truth podcast with me, your host, Joni Haas. I'm feeling a lot of gratitude today for listeners to the podcast. I received a few messages this week telling me specific things that people had been grateful to hear through the podcast. And I just want to say thank you to all of you who have been so supportive for listening, for engaging There's really no purpose to a podcast if no one is listening, and I am so grateful for the positive responses that I have received. When I began this endeavor, I promised myself that I would record at least 40 episodes, and then I would take it from there and see if there was a following, see if people would be interested in a second season, and to date, I have recorded... 37 episodes. So, as we're coming into the last quarter of this first season, if the Say What is Truth podcast is something that enriches your life, let me know. Uh, if there's enough of a demand, then I will go ahead with a second season after a little break. Uh, If nothing else, having these conversations with all of these people has been so fulfilling in my own life and has taught me so much. Today, as I'm recording this intro, it is my husband Darren's birthday. So I want to give him a very special birthday shout out, and it is because of him that this is all possible. I'm a one-man band when it comes to uh, the podcast. I do everything myself. But the funding of it comes from my husband, who supports me in this endeavor, and he's truly the best. I feel a little bit sorry for all the people who don't get to be married to him, but you'll all just have to live with it. But again, to those of you who listen, to those of you who show your support, it means more than you can realize. Uh, It's quite a lonely endeavor to... Throw something out into the universe and hope it's sticking somewhere. So if it's sticking to you, I'm so glad when I find out about it. The guests featured on the show are a mix of people that I have asked and people who have come to me and said, hey, I think I'd like to be on the show. I'm happy for any of it. I'll take anyone who's willing to sit down across from me and have a conversation. And this episode is with Jeff. Jeff is an acquaintance that I had. He's the husband of a friend from a a neighborhood that I used to live in. And I never knew him well. He's not an outspoken person. But he contacted me and said, I feel like I have a message to share. And I was so glad to let him come share it. Through this conversation, I learned that he is a very kind man and that he has a very warm heart. And I was really grateful to be able to see little glimpses into his life and that of his family. Uh, I think that for anyone who has experienced sudden loss or any type of Cognitive dissonance within a belief system that they have held to be true, this could be a really helpful conversation. He's a gentleman. He's very sweet. And I am grateful for the glimpse that he gave me and therefore you into his life. So without further ado, here's Jeff. uh so i was really um i'm I'm delighted when people that i wouldn't expect tell me that they want to do this so i'm always like sweet new blood and um you and i are acquaintances but i really don't know much about you at all so it'll be fun to uh, get to know you a little bit more i saw today on instagram that your oldest daughter just drove away for college yep how does that feel
1: you know it's exciting, and uh, I got thinking about that actually. And I th- I think about when she headed to middle school, and each of our next two kids went to middle school. And I, I thought, oh, we were both really scared of middle school. Elementary to me, it was just like, okay, it's it's the next thing. It's okay, not a big deal.
0: Like there, they, you weren't crying when they were no, off to kindergarten. Maybe
1: <laughs> Mom, Mom, I have, but you know, and we lived right there. You just walk through and right it's it a half a block away. But we were worried about middle school and then it's like, Oh, they're fine. And the next one, they're fine. High school. Oh my goodness, high school's bigger and it's crazy. No, nope, she's fine. And so I've kinda learned for our kids it's like it's the next phase and they're okay, they're gonna do it, they're gonna be fine and you've done the best you can. They're gonna have troubles and hard times and great times, but that's what, that's how I've kind of noticed and felt is it's just the next phase and they'll be okay because.
0: Is it hard to have her be like out of the house? Yeah, that's going to be hard. Yeah. I mean, that's when it's going to
1: hit me in a few days when.
0: Yeah. She just drove off like this morning, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. She's probably still driving. (laughs)
1: Well, Actually, I just got a message. Her and Angie went down and. Oh, okay. You know, we were, we were all going to go or at least me and Angie and I and it's like, well, it'll be time for her and Lindsay to kind of spend some time connecting. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was today. They just got there like an hour ago. and
0: Angie's so, going to help her move in and yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah.
1: So that'll be great. Um, but, yeah, it's going to hit me because, you know, I come home like, and I, and I always have to say, okay, where's everybody? Oh, okay, this one's here, this right. one's there. And she's always gone anyway, but now it's going to be hard because she's been home mm-hmm. a ton. Yeah, for right. Six months, mm-hmm. and so yeah, it's gonna be hard to realize well, she might be not home much. Yeah, might not really have her here till the holidays. And I don't know. She's she made the dance team down there, but they they were making them quarantine for ten days before. So if she comes home, she's got to start over. Right. And so, well, so she
0: probably won't want to come home, come home as, as much. Yeah, yeah. so We don't
1: know when she'll be home again. Probably holiday time or something. Oh,
0: wow. So, so do you, is there any concern about, you know, just her having to make all her own decisions and, and, you know, she's out in the wide world? I mean, I, I I think for me, you know, my, my oldest daughter's a senior now, so we'll be facing this fairly soon. And I, even though she is gone a ton and she has a lot of autonomy, I, know that when she comes home there's kind of that check-in period and like i know where she is at night and even when she is gone she has to tell me where she is now you know your kid could be any place she doesn't have to tell you where she is
1: (laughs) that was was the thing i remember in college like oh i don't have to report in and so you got to take care of yourself yeah Yeah. so that's a concern and in fact she kind of talked to us about that she left, like, oh, I'm concerned about these things, and, you know, making sure, and doing the the right things that I want to do, and the right kind of people, and just, yeah, that's kind of a concern, I guess, is, yeah, she still is going to report in, because you're just going to talk to her, but it's not, it's not the same at all. Right. I mean, it wasn't for me. I called home, you know, every week, or whatever, because back then, you you just called home every once a week, because it it was different, but.
0: So as a dad, is there, are you, is it more excitement, like go off, spread your wings? Or is it, is there any kind of like fear of like, oh no, we're, we're done with you. You know, <laughs> like obviously not done with you, but, but the, the seed's been planted and yeah. now you've harvested and send it to market. <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I guess it's. For me, it's exciting because for me and Angie, both of us, it was exciting to go to college somewhere that wasn't home. Yeah. And that's not for everybody necessarily, but for us, we, we love that part of it. Like, oh, go away, kind of figure things out, learn about ourselves, and have have a bit of an adventure. Yeah. And so, for me, it's exciting for her. But yeah, it makes me nervous. And also... I don't know. I guess that's a—that's a dad. You think about all the things that you see in videos that dads create, funny videos, and they're always like, like, and you show me a couple where the dad goes to their daughter's first apartment. And he's walking around checking every little thing and inspecting. It's like, yeah, you're worried about all these little things that you just do as dad. You go out there and check the doors and you turn things off or turn things on and you make sure everything's kind of just right. And so, yeah, it's you hope you've taught her.
0: Is she living in an apartment? Dorms?
1: Yeah, it's just right off. It's off campus, really close, but it's just an apartment with with roommates, with some friends and oh, people
0: she knows. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I think
1: two of them are teammates from up here, and then that's helpful. That's that's really helpful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My first college away experience was basically me off on my own. I didn't know anyone at all. I had all these roommates I'd never met, and um, it was a challenge. It was definitely a challenge, you know? Mm-hmm. I think you hope that you're going to hit it off with your roommates right away and you're going to be best buds. And I wasn't counting on the fact that um, I wasn't really going to click with my roommates. And they, every single one of them, there were six of us, every single one of them had a serious boyfriend except for me. So they were all off with their boyfriends all mm-hmm. the time or at work or whatever. So there was a lot of time. I was just in my apartment by myself, didn't know anybody, just hey, chillin', making my hamburger helper, and...
1: <laughs> yeah, that was... Will... So
0: it'll be nice that she has some friends down there.
1: Right, that eases it a lot, I think. Because, I mean, I rented a room from a guy, and so I was the only one there. I was by myself, so that was really hard. It took me a couple of weeks, but I, I grew up... I went to Dixie College, and so I grew up in St. George, mm. and at that time.
0: That's actually where I went to, where I had that experience. Yeah. And it's hard to break into Dixie. It, I think it's different now, now that it's a state college. But when it yeah. was a community college, um, it felt like expanded high school. And mm. all the people who had already grown up together just stayed friends. And I could, I was like, I couldn't make friends. It was really a challenge for me. And uh-huh. I don't usually struggle with that too hard, but it was hard.
1: Oh, I agree with that, especially that back then, because, you know, and so, yeah, I decided right then, okay, I have my friends that I already knew, what am I sitting around for feeling homesick? I need to go do stuff with people. And then I made an effort, you know, to go meet other people in, in apartments and things instead of just the people I knew. Yeah, yeah. You know what, yeah. I'm here to, my family moved away, so I didn't have my family, I was living on my own, even though I was from there. So, I mean, you know what, I gotta make an effort to meet new people, because otherwise... I'll be the same person. Yeah, yeah, so totally. I want to do that. And so, yeah.
0: I mean, I do have to say it was one of the most challenging times of my whole life. It was bad. I had depression, didn't know it. So I, I was cycling in these awful depressive spirals and didn't know why I felt like my life sucked. But I did learn a heck of a lot about myself at a really... It at a very accelerated pace at a very young age, um, so I wouldn't repeat it. But it did teach me a lot. So okay, tell me some things about you. Like I don't, I don't know anything aside from the fact that you're an accountant, and now I know that you grew up in Saint George, and you have children. That's what I know about you. So (laughs) I'm sure there's a lot more.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, so yeah, I grew up in St. George from high school on and grew up in Circleville before that, which is a very small town.
0: Yeah. So this St. George, for anyone not aware, is is at the very bottom of the state of Utah. And where we live right now is a suburb of Salt Lake City. And so we are fairly north. It's about a four-ish hour drive.
1: So, yeah. And so that, I mean, at that time, St. George was still teeny too comparatively Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. up here and to what it is now. You know, so, I mean, we, yeah, my family, you know, my dad taught seminary for the LDS church. Mm. And so, you know, then they moved to California when I graduated from high school and then they've moved. Where
0: do you fall in the family?
1: I'm the oldest. Okay. And so... You know, at that time, I graduated from high school there, and then they moved to California. And and then about five years later, they moved up to Price. And so, you know, they moved around moved around a bit. And so, you know, we met in St. George at, at Dixie, Angie and I. And you know, we spent about five years there. Where
0: did she grow up?
1: Up here. Oh, okay. You know, in this area. Yeah. Yeah. So... You know, she was down there for an adventure, and I was down there, and so after we were married, we yeah, it was about we had five years down there, and we had our first two children down there, and then we moved up here, 2005, and that's and then that's when we moved to South Jordan, and so we moved. That's when we were in the same neighborhood as you. Mm-hmm. You moved in probably three, two, three years after us in that right. area. And that's yeah. kind of when we yeah. met. And, and so, like you say, we didn't talk a lot, but your husband and I, we kind of hit it off with being accountants. And right, right. It was easy to talk to each other. So, I mean... And I
0: was good. I, was, I wasn't super close with your wife, but we were friendly. You know, yeah, we were yeah. good friends.
1: So, mm-hmm. you know... I guess some of the reasons I felt to come on and talk is maybe I, I just felt that there's probably someone that needs to hear some certain parts of my story. Sure. And, you know, one of those bigger things was, I don't even know if you know this, but two and a half years ago, my mom was killed in an automobile accident. I
0: did not know that. Okay. Oh, my.
1: So, yeah. And it was, you know, so I, I'm 42 at the time and... She is only, uh, okay, I gotta remember. She is only 67 at the time, okay. And you know, that was just earth shattering. I mean, I'm fortunate. Was she alone in the car when it happened? Yes. Okay, my dad was behind her. No, he's in oh. front of her. They were in separate cars, taking two cars home. Oh no, yeah, so he was in front of her. And rounded this corner, and he went up to the next corner and was waiting for her, and never came. Oh my goodness! So he goes back, and anyway, he has to see it, you know, and just flipped her car. But I guess the details aren't important. It's just that you know, I feel like okay, she's so healthy, and you know, my dad's one had more with the health problems and she's always been fine. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm the oldest. So my youngest sibling is only, um, let's see, she's born in 90. So, you know, she's only, she's in her 20s. Yeah, right, right. And she has two little babies. I mean, they're two and newborn at the time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, me, uh, my youngest seven. Okay. She's going to remember grandma all my kids are going to remember grandma. Right, I hope right. this is going to have a relationship that she remembers with grandma. But my siblings, the next one has older kids, but the, from then on, I don't know. And that that was just really hard to think about that, you know, they may not have that relationship. And it, it was just so hard. And, I, you know, it was, it was really hard as far as you think about the church that we're both in and the things that are taught there. And for me, all these people were reaching out. A lot of people reached out and some of them were amazing. And, but also, you know, comforting words, like, you know, I hope peace of God comes over you and you get through this and that you'll feel that peace of God very soon. And it just didn't come. It was like, it just, just, it's not there, Mm -hmm. you know, and all these people, And so you you teach this stuff, and you think how easy it is to say, well, it's going to come, the peace is going to come, and I'm going to make it through this just fine. And, you know, it didn't come. Like, my mom is the most... You think about... People talk about their moms, and, you know, other moms or whatever. Everybody's mom's amazing. But my mom never spoke an ill word about anybody. She was so kind... She was so loving, and to say, okay, she is gone for no reason at all, just gone.
0: And it's so shocking, you know, my mom just passed away a few months ago, and but we had warning. We knew it was coming. We were told in February, don't expect more than three yeah. months, and she passed away at the beginning of April. So I was able... The last day that I saw her, I I fully understood it was probably the last day that I would see her. And I didn't leave anything left unsaid. And um, obviously it hurt. It was, it was very painful. But I've also had loved ones who just get snatched like that. Like everything's fine and then they're just not there anymore. And that feels so much more traumatic. So traumatic. Yeah. Um, did you receive a phone call? Like, is that how you found out?
1: Yeah. You know, my dad called. It was actually in February, so I was in the middle of tax season, and I, w- I was working. I mean, it was uh, 6 o'clock or so, and he called me, and he just... My dad is, you know, he never... He's basically crying, sobbing on the phone, trying to talk to me. and can't get it out, and... And so yeah, he's like, "Can you help me call siblings?" Okay, and I, you know, so it's down near near home, near Price, and they had the life fighter up here, and so. You know.
0: So she wasn't. She hadn't passed away immediately. No,
1: she was. I mean, she. We never saw her conscious again. But right. She hadn't passed away, and so, me and another sibling, he lives in Armington area, and I live here. We're the two closest, so we were the only two that. Could be there. Right. My dad had a friend drive him up. We got there just after the helicopter, and other siblings are out of state or further away. And just the, if they would have hopped in the car, they may or may not have made it because she passed away that night. Yeah. And we just and we just came home. And so. So were you,
0: know, you with her when she passed?
1: Yeah, we were all there in person. Well, the two of us, or we got everybody on a video. And, you know, we just, I mean, you know, they talked about, okay, maybe, but we just, you know, our family kind of straightforward.
0: Was she on life support?
1: Uh, not really. I mean, yeah. They put her, they were operated on her before we even got there. I see, okay. And then, yeah, they kind of, I guess it was, because they put her on a machine to keep her alive, and they said, okay, the only thing keeping her alive right now is just this breathing machine. But, yeah. you know, my brother's like, well, what, what have you seen anyone recover from this? No, I've never seen anyone recover from this. Okay, and what do you want to do? And my dad said, well, she wouldn't, she wouldn't want to be recovered from this because it was so bad. And, yeah, you know, they told us, okay, she, her whole one side will probably never work again, even if she recovers. And, and so we just, we sang to her because she loved singing, and we just talked to her and mm. had to say goodbye that night. Yeah. And, you know, like, luckily, because of who my mom was, all of us had a, an amazing relationship mm-hmm. with her. So there's nothing left unsaid other than you stu- you're still you always going to doubt that. Oh, I wish right. I would have. But we called her all the time, and, you know, she's the one that we talked to. My dad, he's more straightforward. You talk to him, and... It's three minutes. Okay, I gave you update update. I don't have anything else to say. But my mom would just sit and listen to you for as long as you would talk. She would always listen. Mm-hmm. No matter how long you called, if you needed to talk for 10 minutes or an hour, she's going to listen. And so it changed that whole dynamic because that's who you called right. to, to talk to. And you know, one thing I figured out was like you're saying that you knew about it. I didn't, but it's still your own world of pain that no one else no matter what they say, no one else can understand it right. at all. Right. I mean, today, right now, this week, that's your your pain. Mm-hmm. And no one's going to be able to, to feel the same.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they
1: went through something. And so one thing I learned from that is I try not to say if someone... I try not because everybody walks up and says, oh, well, my mom died in this... One guy tells me, "Oh, my mom died from this in a car crash, just like that." Oh, my mom died in a a drunk driver hit her, or oh, you know, nobody wants to hear that. All they want to do is just hear, give you a hug, I love you, and whatever you need. I, I really mean it. Call me if you just need to talk. Right. That's what people need. So a lot of people, and they don't. It's not their fault. They don't know what to say. You know, because right. of course we're all reading articles, we're texting each other, Let's say siblings in this group chat, and, and we just were so fresh with people saying all these things about, okay, I'm gonna, you know, oh yeah, I went through this, I went through, no, right now, that doesn't matter. Just, right. I'm here. If you ever need to talk, if you ever need to text, whatever it is, that's yeah. what people want. That's all they need right then. Maybe later, but right now you gotta just, you gotta listen fact, my sister, or I, one of us found this article this lady had written that said, you know, there's a circle, and the most immediate person, which was my dad, is in that circle. He lost his spouse of 40 years. He's in the most center pain. And then the siblings, us, six of seven of us are in the next circle. Here, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're in this circle. And our spouses aren't even in that circle because they, it's not... 40 to 25 years. Right. It's, you know, they've only known her X number of times. Now, maybe some of them have known her 20 years, but it's not the same, right? And so it sort of kind of expands. And so when you're in the f- most inner circle, you you need to be listened to. You can't talk into that circle. You have to listen from that Absolutely. circle. Absolutely. And then the next circle is, okay, you can talk to them, and they can talk to you as far as sharing the pain. But you shouldn't be talking into them. You should be listening. Absolutely, and that was really hopeful for us.
0: Um, so, over at, in the last six years, I've had a handful of people in my life pass away, and they've been at in different circles of my life. You know, like mm-hmm. one person was my husband's grandpa, and he was ninety-three. So, you know, like for me, that wasn't an overly painful experience, you know, um, another was a cousin who, um, passed away really unexpectedly. Another one was my mom and another one, you, you know, so like there, there were all these levels and I've been to all these different funerals and it's made me think so much about the directive and promise that we make in our religion to mourn with those that mourn and what that actually means. And I think like you were saying before, when people want to say like, oh, you know, Christ's grace covers this and and you're going to feel the peace of God. That sounds nice, but I don't think that that's actually mourning with those that mourn. That's a way to assuage our own. We want to be able to hand off our discomfort with your grief and say i'm sure it's going to be okay and then just we don't have to work, like think about it too much anymore be like i'm sure they'll be fine god's grace is going to help them you know right. and i think it's when we do get in to that nitty gritty space where we allow ourselves to imagine ourselves in, in the inner circle or the you know whatever you want to call it and like you said we listen and my go-to is always this sucks so bad like because it does it just sucks it hurts and me trying to tell you what i think you should do to not be hurting that's not going to help you at all no but um yeah i'm i'm so sorry that that happened to you i didn't i didn't know that so did you do you feel like you know you mentioned earlier how you you did wait for that piece to come and felt like it didn't come. Did that affect your, um, you know, your belief system at all? Or, you know, like, was it hard in a way that that comfort that you expected didn't come?
1: Yeah. Cause it's come a little more now. I don't want to say that it never came, but sure. you know what I mean? It's like, you're talking a year's gone by and it's just still, still hurts. Yeah. So yeah, I think it changed because, I look at it more like like you're saying, okay, so we think more of, oh, sometimes we want to say, oh, God's going to take care of that. God will help them. Uh, We have to do that. So it changed me into, and I'm thinking more about, my mom was always, you know, she would call people on, and it was a tradition she got from her parents. She would call us and sing to us on our birthdays, Mm. you know, and so, and she would do things and and so what happens when you hear stories afterwards, right? People tell you of things that, that mom did to, for them and you didn't even know. Right. Little things. And so I thought my mom was, my mom was service. So I think about that and I think, okay, if, if I want the peace of God to come to others, I have to be the person to do that, I think, because that's how you help people. is in, People in the most, their most trying, hardest time... They need you. You're the you're the messenger that God is sending to them. You're the person that's helping them. Right. Like there's this person in our ward, our neighborhood, and so I've been in Young Men's for five years. Okay. Maybe your audience doesn't know what that is, but I've been there five years, and we take.
0: You help the teenage boys in your congregation. Yeah. You're like we, their leader.
1: And so she's pretty much always homebound, and we've been we take the sacrament to her because she usually can't come out and she's not that old she's probably close to my age but I've gotten to know her and it kind of hit me you know you need to reach out to her more you need to just not see her because you're going to see her and you know she loves fishing and I kind of like fishing enough to go do it (laughs) I used to think I loved it but I do enjoy it more now my father in law and I have been going float tubing, and that has made it a lot more fun. But so I text her about fishing, and she takes me pictures back of when she's fishing or when she's caught fish. And I send her a picture when I catch a fish. And so <laughs> that's fun. You know, when I go
0: to. She's c- just a single lady.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She's never been married. And she said all kinds of health problems. But now I took some of my daughters over there and went and just chatted her with her. Why are you here? I just wanted to see you. Oh, okay, you know, and you just gotta try to do stuff that's outside of your comfort zone a little. Like our next door neighbor had just her son got into trouble. People came. I mean, the police were there. It was like it was all night long. I mean, we were at this fa- this function for work, a, a party, and the neighbors were like, "What's going on in your house, Jeff? There's there's a <laughs> chopper. There's police. There's dogs." Oh my God. I have no idea. I'm not there. and But, so we went over there and we, I, I knocked on our door and she's just like, she's just scared. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't dare talk to anybody. I don't dare talk to her. So I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, it's okay. I gave her a hug and she just started crying. Yeah. And she's just, she didn't know who to talk to. She had nobody because she's alone now. Her son's gone. Yeah, yeah. And he's done bad things it doesn't matter You, we care about you and we got some neighbors and we caroled to her and I've we Angie and I really tried to reach out to her now and just watch and take care of her she's not part of our religion she's not but she's our neighbor right and so I yeah it's changed me like your original question is has it changed you well I think it's changed me for the better I mean my faith it's not the same no I mean I I struggle with some things to think, the only way I know that I'll see my mom again is faith now. I don't I have no knowledge of that. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know for a fact. I don't know. No one I know has ever seen their mom again. Right. So it's changed me. Yeah. yeah. Now I think about it differently.
0: Before my mom passed away, I, I said, hey, when you're on the other side, can you do something to try and let me know you're there? Like, can you do something? <laughs> And uh, she said, well, yeah, dad already asked me to move the pillows around, so I'll do what I can. <laughs> it makes me laugh so much the way that she just could joke about her uh, imminent crossing over. But it is hard to have her gone, and and I, sp- I speak out loud to her all the time. But I don't, it's not like I'm feeling some response back or you know, I think there's, there's lore within our faith tradition where people talk about, you know, feeling or seeing or, 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 you know, I felt their arms around me or I knew they were there with me or blah, 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 blah. Right. I've never had that. So same for me. If I, it's, it's pure faith to believe that I'm going to see her again. Um, and, man, it's painful. You just miss them. You just plain miss them.
1: Yeah, that's all there is to it.
0: And, uh, that just hurts. So how's your dad been since then?
1: You know, it was a rough go, I mean, two or three months there. So it was in February, and so the spring came, and I was like, okay, he's, he can get outside now. He can go. He, he gardens, and he's always puttering. My dad's hobby is work, so he's always just building something or creating something around the house. And so he was able to get out, but... You know, we kind of set up a system where, for the first two months, we took a night, and every one of us—so there's seven of us—we just took a night, and we called him every night. He had a phone call from us because we were just worried. No one lives by him anymore. Mm-hmm. And the closest one—well, yeah. my sister's now, a little, little under two hours—but I was—I'm two hours away, and so it was really hard for a while. I mean, he was just—we could just feel it in his voice, and he's just dragging along, you know, and and then holidays came and he wasn't we worried about the winter but then he had I mean they've lived down there 20 years now and so he just knew a lot of people and they started right. kind of trying to get him to go out they'd invite him to things and go on four-wheel rides or invite him to a little show or something and, and 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 then they started kind of setting him up on dates and he wasn't sure if he was ready for that but and that was hard And actually, he got married in June last year, so it was Mm. only a year and a half afterwards. And he just told us, you know, I just can't see being alone for 15 or 20 years. And some of my siblings were a little weirded out. I know that for sure. How did you feel about it? So, well, really talked a lot about it with Angie and... My feeling was, yeah, I don't want to be alone either. I mean, as much as it hurts that someone else is there now and they moved into his house, so you go home and you're, uh right, it's weirding me out. I you're in can't my mom's this. space. This is not yeah, right. yeah. But I don't want him to be alone, so that's what I can do. Like, I don't want him to be alone. And my my sister was the same way. Like, what well, 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 do we want, Dad? Before right. only Dad. Right. Or do we want, Dad? Now. He's found someone, and her husband did actually died in a plane crash 10 years before a crash. Oh, my gosh. And it, it felt like it really, she's a wonderful, wonderful lady. I mean, she's an amazing lady, And but she's had a different, you know, she's come from a, she's owned that business. They had a business together, and she's kept it running, so she's kind of, you know, had that in her life that's a little bit different than, you know, my mom was traditional, not that she's not traditional, but, you know, like, the way Mormons are, it's like, okay, this is what you do, and especially that generation.
0: Right, stay at home, take care of your kids. And so,
1: it's it's different, and she's very different from my mom. My mom was just quiet and peace, you know, just never, she doesn't say much, but she'll talk to you as long as you want to talk, type of a thing. Mm-hmm. So,
0: Does it bring comfort knowing that, um, you know, like if, you know... If Something happened to your dad. There's somebody there to take care. You know. Yeah,
1: exactly. My
0: dad said just the other day. My dad's 83, and uh, he was. I mean, he's he's in pretty good health aside from a giant cancer surgery that he had a few years ago. But he doesn't have cancer now. He's he's a pretty spry old guy. But he was telling me how he realized if he if he were to just Catch his footing wrong on the stairs or something. How long would it be before anybody knew to, to check on him? And it might be a while. You know? Right. Because a- even though we're, you know, my siblings and I are calling often, if he doesn't answer, I'm not like, somebody get over there. You know, I'm like, oh, he must be out for a walk or he must be right. out in the garden or something. So I do, I worry about him. But when I told him that maybe we should do one of those, like, Life alert kind of oh, things. Yeah. He, 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 that's for elderly people who can't take care of themselves. <laughs> like he, he thinks it's a good idea, but doesn't want to take the step to actually do it. So it's kind of a double edged thing. Um, Darren's parents are divorced. And when his dad remarried, and it took a while, over a decade, for him to get remarried, there was a sense of, Relief, knowing that he had a companion and knowing that there was somebody who could take care of him. And he recently actually just had a brain tumor removed. And if she wasn't there helping him and taking care of him, I don't know what situation he'd be in. But it it is really tricky. It's really, really tricky when you bring another person in. And it's just like, hey, this is the new normal. Just get used to it, you know?
1: Yeah, it's hard.
0: Like, Darren's like, do I call her my stepmom? Like, I didn't ever grow up with her.
1: Yeah. And that's a struggle, even just those little things like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't think I could ever call her mom. I just don't think that's possible. Right. And that's okay. And I don't think she expects that. I mean, she knows it's much more recent for us. Right. Than her family. And so it's just, it's different. She's even said that. And so... You know, yeah, but it is comforting that there's someone there, you know, because after talking to my siblings, I envisioned we envisioned like, okay, my dad's not, he's not that much older, only a year, I guess that's not much at all, but he, we always envisioned my mom needing to be the one that we would need to take care of and watch over. Because right. she would be the one that would be here growing older. Right. By herself, and we would have to worry about her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's nice that there's someone there because, you know, companionship's really a huge part of our life. You know, just having someone else with us is a huge part. And so, yeah, it's been great. It's been, we could see a difference like, in his demeanor and we'd call him, like, you know, much more cheerful again. And, and yeah, he's, but he still says, I still just miss her so much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's just so hard sometimes. But it's a way that they can both cope and move forward and so yeah. it's been good.
0: I was, you know, so my mom passed away in April and my eighty-three year old dad, I was uh, a little bit taken aback at how quickly he got on a dating site and and I I flat out told him, I said, Dad, I understand that you don't want to be alone. I, I get it. You've you've never had to be alone. Mm-hmm. But it hurt me a little bit how quick it was. And yeah. he said, well, I guess I wasn't counting on how quickly I'd feel this lonely. My brain can tell me one thing while my heart is feeling another, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have to be like, it's my dad's life. He can do whatever he wants. And, um, you know, we're... Every one of us is just searching for contentment, happiness, peace, whatever it is. And who's to tell a person that they're doing it wrong? Right. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, you were married 60 years to my mother. It's it, it's very jarring to me how quickly you can change your, your mindset. So it's hard. And I'm their youngest. And so it's... I don't know if that feels different to me than it does to my older siblings who are in their 50s and 60s. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> no, whatever no. that's worth. you. I think your brain can tell you a thing while your heart is feeling another thing.
1: That's true. And it it is jarring me. It was pretty quick. I don't know. What's going on? It was scary and so many things to think about and worry about. And, you know... How does this change everything? And she's got two kids, and oh my goodness! And
0: so our family get-togethers—like you guys and her kids—get together now.
1: Yeah, the, the issue is that they went. Well, they went on a mission, and then COVID oh. hit, and they had to come home. Oh, so it's kind of like we haven't had a lot of t- this weird window, and then
0: right, because it hasn't even been that long. Right, and yeah. So,
1: and last summer we had a little gathering, and I had already had a summer camp, kind of scout camp plan, and I couldn't be there for the little gathering because it was like I had to be there. And so I missed that, that's what I'm saying. And so we haven't, no, we haven't done much with them, actually. It's mostly been us or them. Yeah. And I'm sure that would have happened this year, but they went on a mission, came home from Africa after only being there three weeks. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Wow. They, they was wanna, that disappointing for them? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was disappointing.
1: It's just because they were really excited to be there. It was going to, you know, it was a year and a half mission in Africa, and, and so that was going to be exciting. But that's also hard f- for the kids, all of us siblings, because my dad, he wants to serve out his life on missions, so we're not getting as much time. Yeah. With him. Yeah. So you got to choose again. It's back to though. It's his life and. He wants you know you kind of kind of do what's best for your for yourself overall and try to consider everything, yeah, but so no we haven't done a lot with them I mean we they're great it's just we haven't I don't know yeah Our family's weird families are all weird
0: it's true we don't it is it really is true. Except families
1: it's <laughs> like every single whatever every other week. I feel and we're like it's not as good at getting together.
0: I feel like I'm pretty lucky in the in the family department, but I I am a believer that friends are the family you choose, and family are the people put in your life to teach you. <laughs> like, yeah. Um you know, I, I adore my family and I adore Darren's family, and it's it was fun marrying into Darren's family because I'm the way youngest of my family. So my siblings were all married by the time I was 13. And I have nieces and nephews, and there's seven of us as well. Nieces and nephews, like my same age and everything. And then Darren's the oldest, so I marry into his family. And now I get to play this kind of big sister role for the first time in my life. And his mom's the same age as my oldest sister and... (laughs) So we're, Um, we're good friends and it's, it's fine. But um, I, I do think that every single family has weird, there's just weird stuff that you have to figure out. And I think when I was young, I was really naive into being like, as long as everyone's just open and honest, it's all going to work out. I don't know that I believe that <laughs> anymore. You can be open and honest and still have big problems with each other.
1: Yeah, you can offend <laughs> each other and right? not even meaning to. Because sure, of yes. You say and do I think
0: and it's so. because we love each other so much that it's so easy to offend each other, because yeah. we care about. If if you don't care about someone's opinion, then. They can think you're dumb or whatever, and who cares? Right. It's it's when you love someone that much, and then they treat you like you're dumb. You're like, oh, yeah. that hurts. <laughs> okay, so um, is there is there anything else about that that you wanted to talk about about your mom's passing and the the results there?
1: No, that's, I think that's, that's all there. Did
0: you have other things in mind that you wanted
1: to talk about? Well, you know, one thing I've thought about oh, me, a lot of a lot about lately is. Kind of the way, it, it, and I think it's all religions, but sometimes we get in this trap mm-hmm. in in religion, and especially, of course, I see it in my worldview, which is the LDS Church right. completely surrounding me, and that's my life, and you know, and I love it, but it's it's this thing, this view that there's only one true path, and we teach it to each other, and we say. Well, we're the only true church in the whole world. Okay, we can believe that, but I have a hard time with the way we project that on to other people, that we tell them, or the way we talk about them, well, they just don't have the full truth. Okay, we can think that in our minds, but we got to be careful because there could be someone, my neighbor or someone I don't know, that... That d- drinks alcohol and does these things that I don't maybe think because of what I've been taught that is appropriate, but they're a better person than me.
0: Yeah. And so absolutely.
1: I just have this hard I've had that proven
0: with, to me many times. Right.
1: <laughs> so I have a hard time how we project that this is the path, even though they're better than me. And so to think that my view of God has to be, oh, they they're. A better person than me. So to think that they're not going to make it. They are. Because they didn't find what I found. That's just crazy. Right. That's not how we can. We can't approach it that way. And so it, it leads to. Things aren't black and white. We, we just think. Oh it's, everything's black and white. I used to think that. I was a. I, mean, I was extremely traditional gr- raising. Like we were. Orthodox we were through and orthodox. through. Orthodox. We yeah. were separated. We intentionally. My parents intentionally. Liked Living. Where they live because we were far from other influences and we could stay extremely perfectly on the path, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now I realize oh, there's so many good things in the world around me, so many good things and people and amazing people. And I guess that does bring me back to one thing. That my mom is a client of mine who is not religious at all. I mean, I, if I call him, every single time I call him, there's going to be at least a couple of cuss words, it doesn't bother me at all, but she came over, she's probably in her 60s, and she found out about it, I, I didn't, it was kind of just, I was gone for several days in two week time period, and so they had to know, clients had to know about it, and she came over, and she, she just, she brought me a plant, and she said, the reason, a whole reason behind it, because someone else had brought her the exact same plant, and she was having a hard time, and this is the reason I'm bringing it to you. And
0: so it was really thoughtful.
1: Really thoughtful, and she gave me this hug, and she said, and she started crying with me, and we cried. And so
0: she mourned with those.
1: She that mourned, mourned me, and yeah. she is not <laughs> religious at all. Right. And so, again, I was taught by someone else that the world is amazing. People are—it's full of amazing people, and so we got to be careful thinking. That only we have this special thing. Right, right. I don't know if that makes it all Ad,
0: sense. Well, it makes tons of sense. And, and I've thought so much about this, and my view has had to change as well. And w- one thing that I've had to think about is, you know, when I, when I was growing up, I felt like it was reinforced to me often that there's us, and then there's quote-unquote the world and we have to be in the world, but not of the world, and that we separate ourselves from the world. Until one day I went, you know who the world is? God's children. (laughs) The whole rest of the world is God's children, and he loves them exactly the same as he loves me. And so this idea of, um, you know, I, I grew up kind of scared of people who are different than me because I had been taught that, you know, you've got to be wary and, and again, this whole idea that we're the only true church, but guess what? We have also been taught that uh, all is not yet revealed that, that the restoration of this gospel is a continuation, a continuing process, not a singular event. Therefore we also don't have everything. We don't have everything yet. Mm-hmm. And so this, this I feel like it can do so much damage to be so exclusionary. Like, I've got everything right and you don't. Which is, to me, completely the opposite of, like, what Jesus would do. Jesus would never say, like, okay, I've got my disciples right here. I know that I've taught them correct principles and so they're going to do the right thing. No, he hung out with the sinners and the prostitutes and the and the lepers and all the people who society had deemed outside the purview of decent people. I mean, why aren't we using that as an example? You know?
1: Yeah, that's exactly.
0: And I think that when people like that person who brought you the plant or, you know, other people who show genuine goodness and kindness, it makes you realize, oh my gosh. That's the whole point of what I'm supposed to be doing. It's not about which boxes I tick off. Right. That gets really pharisaical, really. Yes, it I mean, is that mm. the way you would say that word? But um, anyway, I tend I, I tend to be a little bit on a high horse about it too because, because I feel like the way that I internalize the church's teachings, and I don't know that this was even how it was intended to be taught to me, But the way that I internalized it did so much damage to myself and then caused me to do damage to other people by building that wall and, you know, making that separation. I think it just proves that people are going to choose to be kind and good or they're not. And what church they belong to doesn't have a lot to do with that, actually, (laughs) because I know some uh, not very kind, very orthodox LDS people.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, so you, it, it has to be who you're becoming. Who are you becoming as a person? Exactly. And so that's what changed me. I thought, okay, I can make a choice here. My mom was the most amazing person I know. So I could choose to be more like her and have it change me to be a better person. Mm-hmm. Or I can let it, whatever. I mean, it can destroy me. It can. Make me sad and angry all the time, and so I have I have a choice here. Mm-hmm. And so, if my religion and those kind of things can make me better and who I become, then that's that's all I can ask from right, it. right. And yeah, like you're saying, and there's people that seem like the most orthodox people, and I cannot believe the things that they say, right, or do, or their actions, and so yeah it's who we who we're becoming right
0: my personal belief and I do not preach that this is a um, you know doctrinally based but when I imagine coming to the next life I I think I used to imagine that God was going to be standing there with kind of a checklist and be like here's all the times you chose to do the right thing and here's all the times that you chose to do the wrong thing kind of like a the good place method where we're seeing how, how many green points you have and how many red points you have. And if you balanced out, I think I sort of pictured it that way a little bit, not quite like that, but um, my personal feeling is that we're going to come to the, to the either nothing's going to happen and it won't matter. We'll stop existing and it won't matter. Or what I believe is going to happen we're going to reach this the next point and god's going to say cool here's here's your life circumstance your personality and the information that you were given what did you do with it and who are you now and now let's take where you are now and move forward from that and it doesn't matter if you were mormon or buddhist or muslim or you know catholic anything doesn't matter it's all about who you made yourself into,
1: right.
0: how you took the challenges that you had and, and the information that you had and how you treated people. Really? Yeah, I
1: think
0: so. <laughs> and I know that that is a bigger tent view than a lot of Orthodox Mormons believe, but yeah, it's it the is. only way that I can move forward with any sort of faith because I'm done rating myself for not being good enough, you know.
1: Yeah. So. I agree, and it's it's we have to be careful, like we with our youth, our young people, and the things we say like that, because then they think they're not good enough. And so, in all my time with the youth, I say you. I frequently say you're good enough. You're good enough the way you are.
0: And do you do you say that because you feel like you're seeing? that that is a common theme among the youth, that they don't, that they feel like they're not good enough?
1: Well, I just know that, well, a couple of things. Yeah, sometimes you see that, like they just, and you don't always see it, right? You don't see those, they only...
0: Present the best of yeah, themselves, and then yeah.
1: The, the, let's see. So, yeah, two years ago, it was actually a month after my mom's death, that kid that killed himself ward i
0: didn't know that oh my
1: gosh i just thought wow this is so painful for that family and
0: was it a kid that you knew pretty well oh yeah yeah
1: and so i think oh what can we do we'll we we can not do a lot as not in that family but i can just tell them it's okay you know you're good enough yeah yeah and and so you think about you know, I guess that leads to another thing I've been thinking a lot about is, you know, the, just the support for, or I guess the non-support at times, for the LGBTQ community. I When that, when the court ruling came down in June that said they're protected in housing and, and job discrimination, you know, I, I posted support for them, and and, and that was shocking for some people because I think I maybe am viewed as. I don't know why that has to be orthodox, but. Right. You know, I, I said, I support this 100%. I think it's a good thing for our nation and it is important. And and then two days later, I said, here's. I got thinking about it. I said, here's the reason. I went through a checklist and I said, do I have. Do I have a sibling? No. Do I have a cousin? Yes. Do I have a co Yes. Do I have. A friend I know, yes. I have a client I know, yes. And I went through the checklist and I went, I want these people in my life. Yeah. It's important to me that they're in my life. I have I have to support them. They needed this. And
0: And they're people with, with the right? I can't judge them. I can't <laughs>
1: judge them. And so I have to love them. And I'm not going to ever say, oh, I love them, but. No, it's not but. It's I love them. Right. And I just can't do that. People say, well... I can, I can love them, but they can't do that at my house. They, can't, they can come to my house anytime they want. And if they want to show affection, I'm not going to, I can't judge that. And I had a cousin reach out to me and he's a lot younger than me. And I, this in this family, we just aren't as close. And he said, my mom said, you, you did this and supported me. And he's gay. And he said, I can't tell you how much that means to me and he, he messaged me on Facebook and now we have a relationship. I'm its messenger but I don't know how many people he has that he can talk to and he frequently messages me now. Yeah. And it's open. And so again it's the same line of thinking we we need to be we need to be there for people because now he has someone else that he can talk to. Right. And it's just Amazing the way some people responded to that. To right. me, I, I just, I'm shocked that it's such a big deal to be supportive and open. I that you, know. I know. And so, I <laughs> again, it, it's the same thing like, well, this is the way it is. No, it's not, it's gray.
0: Yeah, it's gray. I think, I think that that, I think the older you get, you know, Darren and I have talked many times how we say like the older I get, the more I know, I don't know anything, you know, you like things become much grayer there. These black and white things become a lot messier, but you know, if you, if you take the organization of our church and you kind of don't worry so much about the policies and the, you know, the, the, Programs and whatever, and if you really distill it down to what are we trying to do, if we're trying to follow Jesus, Jesus's directive was, Come unto me. And yet, I find people within the church saying, Well, if you don't like this, then you should just leave. And I think, No, Jesus never said to a single person, do it right or leave. He never said it. He said, "Come unto me," to every single person.
1: Yeah, everybody.
0: And so, um, you know, that's the example that that I would like to try to follow. Now, please, nobody think that I feel like I follow Jesus perfectly. That's that's not what I mean. But when I when it comes to a question of what is the right course of action here it really does come down to what would Jesus do? I know that's kind of like a, a joke, but...
1: Yeah.
0: If you... <laughs> right. and And I think that most people who are not religious, people who don't believe in Jesus Christ, there is a moral guide that tells us the same thing. We know that when we show kindness and love, we feel good about ourselves. And so... I don't know why any, I, I, I personally don't know how people can justify taking any group of people and deciding that they don't need to show them kindness or love. So that's hard. That's hard for me.
1: Well, you're not always going to be comfortable. You're going to be challenged to change. Right. Right. You're going to be challenged. If you think it's going to be, I'm always comfortable here. I'm in my little warm, comfortable spot. Well, it's not always going to be that way. And, right. and we think we always think in absolutes in, in the church. In, and this is lots of religions, I think we think in absolutes. Well, it's, this, is the, this is how it is. It has to be, and this is absolute. There's no altering from that. And we have to think about, well, church leaders have made mistakes because God works in our lives the same way that He works in their lives. So if we think, oh, revelation is a real thing, I can get revelation for myself from God, and it can help me make decisions. Well, a prophet God gets it the same way. He doesn't speak to God every single day. God talks to him through revelation. He thinks about things, and he says, Oh, I've come to this understanding through revelation, which is really him talking to God in prayer, thinking things through, and coming to a decision. The same as we get revelation. Right.
0: And maybe the mess is part of the point. Right. You know, it takes it takes a lot of working through and stumbling and uh, deciding for ourselves and making choices and all of that to change us. If everything is spoon fed to us and we just know it's always perfect, we don't change very much.
1: Right. So. Yeah, I think so. I think that it's the same. It's the same pattern in in our lives. And so why wouldn't it be the same there? And. We're all put down here to learn and govern ourselves, is that like we like to say. So yeah, I think it's it's a learning process for them as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's not perfect. It and that's the whole point of it, is it's not perfect. And otherwise, yeah, it wouldn't be messy. We wouldn't need any of this learning experience.
0: Right. <laughs> and and you know, we're not asked to have knowledge of things, we're asked to have faith. Yeah. So Um, so are there any other things that you felt like have been, you know, major, uh, points of learning or issues for you, struggles, grand successes?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I mean, that's kind of, I guess the things I've been thinking about and that have shaped my life the last little while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the main points of. My life and how it's changed me, and I think for the better, which is what you're trying to achieve in life, is change for the better.
0: Absolutely. You know, so. S- do you have any, um, like overarching kind of driving like mottos that you live by or advice that you like to give, or are you kind of a chill guy who well,
1: lets I'm people
0: pretty- <laughs> make their own choices?
1: Well, I'm pretty chill, but. I remember on my, I didn't really think it was a saying or something I wrote a lot, but I had one of my companions after, like, I guess... On your mission? Yeah, my mission. We must have written each other a note because he said, you're the the do good and be good guy. And I, because I'd always finish my letter, do good, be good. And, and I thought, you know, I didn't really think about it, but yeah, I said that a lot. And... And I and, and that's kind of the context of our, what I've tried to I guess convey is okay I can do good and be good by helping others and so I think that's kind of been the model I've tried to do is that I I'm not perfect I yell at the kids I say stupid things to them I you know everybody does and you know I'm not as good as as my mom. Like she was so kind, and I think, oh, I'm just so I struggle so much. But then I think, you know, we all love each other. We're gonna be okay, and then I can try to be better. Uh, so I don't know if that makes sense, but
0: and I, th- I think that um, also, we know all of our internal thoughts, and we, we can see all the maybe negative or ugly things that we thought but didn't say. I would dare say that, um, you know, heaven forbid, if the same thing were to happen and your kids were to suddenly lose you, they'd be saying the same things. Like, my dad was such a kind, gentle man, and, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe you yell at him a lot and I'm off base. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> um. but I I think that our kids are so good at seeing the best in us. I really think that that's true. That's true. But kids are frustrating. Kids are really, really frustrating.
1: Right. (laughs) It's just, like, I make jokes about it, and I'll post um, Instagram stories about, like, the other day, five things I found around the house or the yard that were out of place and one that was in place. And so one is like an extension cord I had put in the right place. And I found a spoon out in the garage above the freezer, so they must have been eating ice cream outside. Then I found a, a loaf of bread in the garage, which we just bought groceries home, and they put it in the garage instead of in the freezer. And I found a garbage can out back, and I found my drill just shoved in a drawer instead of put back where they'd gotten it. I'm thinking, this never ends.
0: Are you a really organized person?
1: I try to be, yeah, I'm a little more, you know, like Angie's the creator, there's creators and then there's, and I'm more of the, let's get it done, she's the idea person and I'm more functional. I mean, I'm the accountant and she's creative and so, yeah, I'm really, I mean, yeah, I'm not organized in everything, but I'm a little more organized in a lot of things. It needs to have a place.
0: Yeah, I think that, and I think that those types of people often end up together. They naturally gravitate towards that person that they think is going to balance them a little bit. That's the same case with Darren and I. Um, I saw that you guys recently went through a major renovation for your kitchen.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, how's your relationship? (laughs) I feel like construction projects uh, are the truest test of a relationship. Would you say that that's the same, that that's true?
1: Yeah, I mean, we worked there really well, and, you know, she had a vision. Was
0: obviously. it hard? Was it hard? Because you lived in the house during the renovation. Yeah. So were you, like, without kitchen for yeah, a while? Yeah, it was hard.
1: Yeah, we, we lost our...
0: It was a major renovation, like moving walls and...
1: Yeah, we added on to the house. It was only, like, four feet of house at addition, and we knocked into a room that we never used. It was a dining room that nobody really uses. Dining rooms you eat in your kitchen now, right. so it's a thing that was lost to time, I guess. And so, yeah, it was. A, we, but we lost our kit or our sink and dishwasher about a a month in. And so then we went and they put in a a portable kind of temporary sink. So we only had a sink, like one of those white wash basins. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that was hard. I mean I I could still go to work because I have an office that has its can close off and close the door on both right, sides. Right. And so I could kinda of isolate we weren't seeing clients and so I was able to Get otherwise, out. yeah, if we were all there all together without <laughs> So I guess
0: uh how's the relationship with Angie and the kids, I guess would be yeah, that's better probably more
1: accurate. <laughs> that's been strained for sure. It's been really oh hard my gosh. at home during this right like okay fine it's probably a good time to do it but also yeah it was it's hard to think oh they're here all day they don't get up in the mornings anymore because they have nothing to get up for (laughs) so it's like 9 10 get up already you're i know you're a teenager but you need to get up and so it's like i feel like we've lost complete control of any sense of time They go to bed whenever, they get up whenever. I go to bed at the same time because i got to get up at 6.30 every day no matter what.
0: Yes, that's exactly Mm -hmm. what's happened at our house. Darren will go to bed because he still has to get up early and it's 1 in the morning and the four of us are eating ice cream, you know, like, (laughs) and and I'm a night owl anyway, so it's, I don't care if they stay up because I'm like, I can't tell you you have to go to bed and then I'm going to stay up and watch a movie,
1: like. Anyway, yeah, but... So that's how it is at our house. Angie stays up and waits for him to come home because we've got...
0: Teenagers. Yeah, just left
1: home and a 16-year-old, and they're gone. Yeah. They can both drive. And yeah. so it's... So she stays up for them, and I'm like, I can't stay up till no midnight. i got to go to work every right. day and put in a na- my eight hours or whatever. And so, yeah, it's, that's been hard for her.
0: I'm so grateful that you reached out and that you wanted to come and talk about those things. And, um again i'm really sorry that you had to go through that with your mom and um i don't know maybe it it reminds us that life is fragile and take those opportunities to let people know how you feel yeah so thank you so much
1: yeah thanks for having me
0: and now it's time for a bright spot The sound quality, you may notice, is a little more echoey. It's because I am standing in my bathroom, and there's a reason why. Since I was young, I've always liked the idea of painting murals, being able to write whole poems on a wall or something like that. There's a little bit of a rebelliousness that I really enjoy about being able to write on the walls. Uh, When I was young, I wrote my name on the wall and tried to pin it on my two-year-old niece, try to convince my family members that my two-year-old niece wrote my name on the wall. And then, in payback, my daughter wrote her name on a chair and tried to convince me that her one-year-old brother wrote her name on the chair. It was a very full circle moment. But the reason I'm standing in my bathroom is because when we moved into the house that we live in, my bathroom is situated in a way that the toilet is its own special room with its own door, which as a person who shares a bathroom, I really appreciate. And I decided this will be my room where I can write on the walls. So I call it my quote closet Because it kind of sounds like coat closet. See, that's funny. Um, And when I come across some quote that I love and I want to remember, I write it on the wall in Sharpie. But I've thought many times that when my children are struggling, I should say, just go spend some time in my bathroom until one of those quotes resonates with you. But it brings me joy to be an adult who can write on the wall. Uh, It's my own private space. And I wanted to share with you some of my favorite quotes that I have in my quote closet. So I'm standing right here next to it so that I can see them. So I apologize if the sound quality is weird, uh, but I'm going to share some of my favorites. This is a little poem by Nikita Gill. We have calcium in our bones, iron in our veins, carbon in our souls, and nitrogen in our brains. 93% stardust with souls made of flames. We are all just stars that have people names. Here's another quote that I use quite often. Ideals are stars to steer by. They are not sticks to beat ourselves with. That's by Barbara B. Smith, who was Relief Society General President in the 70s. One that I have used many times in my own life and to help other people is this quote by Cynthia Ocelli. For a seed to achieve its greatest expression, it must come completely undone. The shell cracks, its insides come out, and everything changes. To someone who doesn't understand growth, it would look like complete destruction. Uh, A quote by Jeffrey R. Holland that I keep remembering over and over. No one has failed who keeps trying and keeps praying. Here's one by Delia Sherman that I like so much, I ended up writing in here twice, not realizing that I'd written it in here twice. Delia Sherman, she said, write the book, write the comic, paint the painting, pick up your guitar, even if it's rough, even if it's full of mistakes, even if you're scared, just do it. Time will pass either way. Don't sit inside terrified doing nothing. Make something. Save yourself. Here's one that I think is kind of apropos for what this podcast shows through my different conversations with people. It's by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. The most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of the depths. These persons have an appreciation, a sensitivity, and an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and a deep loving concern. Beautiful people don't just happen. Here's One of Hope by Stephen J. Gould. Every spectacular incident of evil will be balanced by 10,000 acts of kindness, too often unnoted and invisible as the ordinary efforts of a vast majority. Uh, Here's a favorite one by Roald Dahl. I'm tempted to read them all. I mean, I won't, but I feel like it because as I'm looking at them, I like them all. Roald Dahl said, I began to realize how important it was to be an enthusiast in life. If you are interested in something, no matter what it is, go at it full speed. Embrace it with both arms. Hug it. Love it. And above all, become passionate about it. Lukewarm is no good. Adrian Martini said, running very slowly while crying is still moving forward. I put that one in a very prominent spot because I want to be able to see it often. I'll share one more. And because these episodes post on a Tuesday, I find it to be so apropos. Chuck Wendig says, Tuesday, the day you realize that nothing can stop you because you are a magic skeleton packed with meat and animated with electricity and imagination. You have a cave in your face, Full of sharp bones and five tentacles at the end of each arm. You can do anything magic skeleton and you can. It's Tuesday. Go out and do anything because you're a magic skeleton. Be a light and say what is truth.